We're continuing in our series today called The Jesus I Need, Not the Jesus That I Want. And it's a really appropriate sermon series uh, for the time of year. We're in Lent, and that means we're, we're getting ready for our hearts and we're preparing our hearts for a Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday when Jesus died for our sins, Easter Sunday when Jesus rises to justify us uh, as he rises from the dead, conquering the grave so we can live forever in heaven. And so it's appropriate that we focus on Jesus and who he actually is and what he's actually come to do. Because a lot of people want Jesus. A lot of people want a Savior. But they want a Savior to bring them health, to bring them wealth, to bring them family and friends and good times and life. And yes, Jesus does that, but he's so much more than that. He's not just the Jesus I want, he's the Jesus that I need. And as we open up the pages of Scripture, we learn exactly who Jesus is. And today, we see he is someone to seek us when we're lost. Have you ever been lost before? I remember uh, when I was a kid, we went to Disney World with my cousins. And uh, we went in the worst time possible. It was the middle of July. And in Orlando, in the middle of July, it's hot and extremely humid. And so we're sweating like crazy. And so in the middle of the day, we decided to go into uh, a gift shop and to look around. But really, we're cooling off in the A.C., and as we're looking around, everyone finally cools off a little bit, and we, we take off. And as we're walking along, all of a sudden we realize, someone's not here. My cousin was missing. Panic set into the family as we're wondering, where is he? And we start looking all around. He's nowhere in the vicinity, so we start tracing our trail back, and we get to that gift shop, and there he is, looking at the gift still. <laughs> The irony is he didn't even know he was lost. He was lost and he didn't know it. Just there, looking at gifts. Sometimes we can be lost and we don't even know that we're lost. Whether we're lost and we know it or whether we're, we're lost and we don't know it, we still need the same thing. We need a Savior who seeks the lost. And that's what we see in John chapter 4. We see a woman who is lost, who's looking, searching, and she's lost. And we see a Savior who comes to seek the lost. John is one of those books that we call the Gospels, the biographies of the biography of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in John chapter 4, uh, Jesus comes to a well. Let's jump in. John chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. So he, that's Jesus, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria. Now he, he had, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Let's stop right there. 
So Jesus is, and, and his disciples are traveling from Judea, down here in the Middle East where Jerusalem is, up to the area of Galilee, where the Sea of Galilee is. Uh, and in the middle, separating, is a country called Samaria. And Jesus is traveling directly north up to Galilee. And he comes to this town called Sychar around noon, and he stops at the well outside of the town, and his disciples go in to buy something to eat, to get food. Jesus, tired as he is, exhausted from his journey, he's thirsty, and he sits at the well. When a Samaritan woman comes out to draw water, and Jesus asks her for a drink. There are several things that are unusual about this scene, and so let's talk about it. First one is that she's coming at noon. Unusual timing. Uh, it was custom during that time that the women did the household chores, and one of the household chores was to draw water from a well, and you would want the water for the day. And so this was a morning activity. Not only because you wanted it for water for the day, but also because you didn't want to be drawing water in the heat of the day. Noon was not a good time to be having a, a, a pail go way down into a well and you have to draw water up a bunch of times. It was hot and you didn't want to do it at noon. And yet here this woman comes at noon. The other thing was going to draw water was a social event for the ladies. Uh, this would be like gathering around the, uh, the water cooler in the office and talking. This was social time. And this is what the women did. They'd go out together in the morning and sit around the well while everyone's drawing water and talk about whatever ladies talk about <laughs> together. <laughs> this was social hour. And yet she's coming at noon in the heat of the day by herself. All signs point to she's probably some kind of social outcast. Something is wrong where she doesn't want to come in the morning when everyone else comes. She's hoping to be there by herself. Unfortunately for her, there's a man there, and not just a man, a Jewish man. And this is the other unusual part of, of the scene, and she calls Jesus out. How can you, a Jewish man, talk to me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They hated each other. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, that's my daughter going crazy back there. Making me lose my train of thought. Uh, so, Jews did not associate with, with Samaritans, but not only that, men didn't associate with women at this time. In fact, a Jewish rabbi wouldn't even instruct a Jewish woman. They instructed the Jewish men and said, go take this home to your wife. And so not only is Jesus breaking the social barrier, he's breaking the gender barrier, and he's breaking the religious barrier. He's breaking all the barriers by simply asking, can I have a drink of water? And she says, how can you, how can you be asking me this? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. In other words, if you knew who was talking to you, lady, you would have been asking me for a drink for the living water that I have to offer. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Oh, the irony. I'm sure Jesus just heard that and, and had a grin on his face. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Uh, yeah, by a couple thousands, millions of years. I'm the eternal God. I created this well. I created the water, spoke it into existence. Am I greater than him? Only by a little bit, lady. <laughs> but he doesn't even address it. He just leaves it. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Think of the dream scenario that this would be for this lady. She would not have to come out at noon in the heat of the day to draw water if Jesus gave her this living water where she'd never thirst again. She wouldn't have to risk somebody being there and risk the judgmental look. She wouldn't have to worry about going out in town and hearing the chatter, the gossip behind her back. She could just have water in her house all the time if Jesus were to just give her this living water so that she would never thirst again. The only problem is Jesus isn't talking about physical water, is he? And that's why he says this. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Yikes. Talk a moment, uh, about a moment where your whole body just tenses up. How did we get here? We're talking about water, drawing water, and all of a sudden Jesus just abruptly brings up the fact that this lady has, has had five husbands. He says, go call your husband and I'll give you the water. Well, again, Jesus isn't talking about physical water. He's talking about the spiritual water for the soul. And what he's getting this woman to realize is she's been drinking from the wrong wells. She's been drinking from the wa wrong water. She's looking to the wrong thing to satisfy her thirsty soul. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And the one you now have belongs to another woman. You're quite right in saying that you don't have a husband. Your soul's been drinking from the wrong well. You see, what we learn from this woman is our first point today. And that is that the soul is thirsting to be satisfied. Our bodies, our physical bodies, thirst. Why? Why do you get thirsty? It's the body's response to the fact that it needs water. We need water to survive, and if we don't have water, we die. And that thirst lets, our body, lets us know the body needs water. And we go searching for water to fill it, to quench its thirst, to satisfy that thirst so that the body can remain going. The soul is dying too. Your soul, my soul, is dying as well, and it needs to drink 
It needs to take something in to keep it alive. And this woman has been drinking in the wrong wells. She's been going from man to man to man, thinking that that is what is going to satisfy and quench the thirst that is in here. How do we know when our soul is thirsting? It's that, it's that inner itch, isn't it? That restlessness in our, in our chest. The, 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 the part of us that isn't satisfied and we need more of something. That, that something that, that gets satisfied for a little bit, but then we're back looking like this woman. We're back searching for something to satisfy my soul once again. What is it for you? Our souls are thirsty. And what are we drinking in to try to satisfy our thirsting soul? Is it like this woman? We're looking to people. If only I had a boyfriend. If only I had a girlfriend. If only... If only I had a wife or a husband, if only I had that special someone in my life, then my soul would be satisfied. If only I were friends with those people. If only I fit in with that circle. If only I had the love and approval of that person, then my soul would be satisfied. If only I was successful. If only my career was a success. If only if I was a successful parent, spouse. If only I felt significant. If only I could serve in this way. If only I could do that as a career. If only I could have this job, then I would be satisfied. Then I'd feel significant in this world. And that's what I think my soul needs. And we go to all these different things trying to drink them in. And then, what happens? Exactly what happens for this woman. Do you think this woman woke up uh, uh, when she was 13 years old and said, you know what I want to do for my life? I want to get married five times. Nobody wants that. Nobody wishes for that. That's not on someone's bucket list to do. And so how does she get here? It's because she doesn't recognize that her soul is thirsty. She just knows that something's off. And she thinks that by filling it with this man, it'll cure and satisfy whatever's going on. And it does for a little bit. But then the well runs dry. And she has to go to another man to try to, to fill that uh, hole. And it satisfies for a little bit, but then it dries up also. And it keeps getting down and down and down until she finally is at that well wondering, how did I get here in life? If you're sitting here today and you're looking back on your life and you're thinking to yourself, how did I get my life to this point? It's because your soul is thirsty. And maybe you've been drinking from the wrong wells or thinking that the wrong things will satisfy the inner itch in your heart. 
if you're sitting here and you know people in your life that continue to make bad decision after bad decision and making a mess of their life, and you're sitting here thinking, why do they keep doing this? It's because their soul is thirsting. And they're looking to the wrong thing to satisfy the thirst of their soul. That's where this woman is. Thirsting. And now she's lost. She's lost in shame. Lost in guilt. Lost in in self-consciousness. She can't even go out in public uh, with other people because there's so much chatter in the town. She tries to avoid people. She's lost. And what she needs is a savior. What she needs is someone to make it right. And that's why she says this. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. You know, I used to think that this was a her way of kind of deflecting the conversation and getting into a religious battle with a, with a Jewish rabbi. And that might be the case. But I also wonder if she knows that she, something's not right. I wonder if she recognizes her sin. And I wonder if she knows that what she needs is to make some kind of sacrifice to get good with God. And yet she doesn't know where to go. Because she is Samaritan her ancestors worshipped on this mountain right here, but you Jews say it's down there. So, so where do I go? Where do I go? What do I do? Jesus says, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews, from Abraham. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. What a powerful moment that must have been. She's lost. Talking to this rabbi who just called her out. And she says, I know the Messiah is coming. He's going to explain everything. And Jesus says, I am he. See, this woman was lost. What she needed was a savior to find her. And that that was exactly who Jesus is. He's the savior who seeks the lost. How do we know? Yes, he's standing right there. Yes, he's sitting right there talking to her. But there is a phrase that we just passed over way back in verse 4, and yet it's so important. Look at verse 4 again. Now he had to go through Samaria. That's it. If you're you're a note taker in your worship folder, circle it. He had to go through Samaria. If you're following along on your phone, highlight it. If you take notes on something else, write it down. He had to go through Samaria. Why is that so important? The Jews did not associate with the Samaritans so much that here's what they would do. They'd go from Jerusalem, which is down south, up to Galilee. But how a Jewish person would get there is they would go out east across the Jordan River, up and then back over the Jordan just to avoid those stinking Samaritans. And yet Jesus had to go through Samaria. 
Why? Well, it's not because there's first century road construction. It's not like he couldn't go east. Nor did he have to go as in he was forced to go that way. Like, that's, that's how we talk sometimes, right? Oh, I had to do this. Guys talk like that a lot when they're with their, their buddies. Even when they really like what they did, they'd say something like, I had to watch Love is Blind with my wife the other night. When really he might have enjoyed it, but he doesn't want his guy friends to know. But that's not it either. Jesus had to go. He had to be in Sychar at noon on that day because he knew there was a woman who was lost. He knew there was a woman whose soul was thirsting and she was drinking from the wrong wells. And Jesus had to find her. He had to give her the living water to quench her thirsting soul. Jesus needed to be there to meet her. You see, Jesus is a Savior who seeks the lost. And that's your last point this morning. Jesus is a Savior who finds and quenches the thirsty soul. He is the Savior who finds and quenches the thirsty soul. And that's what He's done for you and me. That's what He's done for you and for me. You see, Jesus isn't the Savior who just sits up in heaven and says, hey, you're lost. I hope you find me. I'm here. No, Jesus comes to you and to me. How do we know? Because you're here. Your divine appointment with Jesus is right now. Jesus promises wherever two or three gather together in his name, there he is with them, and that's what we are right now. We are two, to, uh, two or three gathering together in Jesus' name, he is here. To seek you. He is here to seek you watching online, whether live or five years from now. Jesus is here to seek us, and your divine appointment is right now. He had to be here today to seek you, to come to you and say, You're drinking from the wrong well. Your soul is craving life. And I'm here to give you life. I'm here to remind you of the love that I have for you. The, the love that, that I have that isn't based on my mood of the day or your circumstances. It's not based on how well you perform. My love is here. And you want to know how much I love you? I died for you. I rose for you. Your heart is craving acceptance. You have acceptance from the God of this world who created everything by speaking it into existence. You have his acceptance because I lived perfectly in your place and gave you my perfect status. Jesus says, you want significance? How about how significant you are to God the Father? That he would give up his one and only son to have you as his own. Don't go looking elsewhere, Jesus says. Don't go looking in empty wells that can never truly satisfy. Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who satisfies the thirst of your soul because he and he alone grants eternal life through his shed blood on the cross and the resurrection from the dead. 
And so let's look to him. Let's leave the other wells behind because it's only Jesus that can satisfy the thirst of our soul. When we start getting the inner itch, we're drinking from the wrong well and we have to come running back to our Savior Jesus to hear of his love, to hear of his forgiveness, to hear of the resurrection. We have to run and drink deeply from him and then our souls will be satisfied. No matter what you've done in life, no matter where you've been, no matter how lost you've been, Jesus has come to seek and to save you, to assure you that you're forgiven and loved because he loves to find those who are lost. You see, when we open up Scripture, we find out that Jesus isn't just the Savior I need, but he's the Savior I want as well. May God be with us as we run to him, the one who has the living water, that quenches our thirsty souls. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we praise and thank you for your love, for your forgiveness that seeks and saves those who are lost, including us. We ask you to continue to be with us. Help us to recognize the inner itch of our soul uh, that is thirsty and help us to realize that it's a, a, a cry that is crying out for you, uh, not for people, not for things, not for uh, careers, but it's really crying out for you. As we come to you, satisfy our souls, quench the thirst that we have, that we may be at rest, knowing that we have life with you eternally. Be with us, continue to help us drink deeply from the living water that you have given us, not just now, but forever. In your name we pray, amen.